0: Is there something lacking, Travis, in the church today that that paves the way for these men being popular uh, in, in society and, and with Christians? I mean, what keeps Christian apologists who maybe are just as smart and know all these same things and say all these things, same things, except for the fact that they're more biblical in nature, what keeps them from being as popular? Well, another great question, David. What is it that makes these these folks attractive to uh, evangelicals. I think that there's a couple of answers to that. One, I think evangelicalism for a long time has really flirted, if not fully embraced, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. That God wants you feeling good, that especially with, uh you might say, mega-seeker churches, it's all about... Making people feel comfortable and at ease, and giving them motivational speeches and pep talks every single Sunday, I think I think many uh, evangelical Christians, true Christians, are just fed up with that. So when Jordan Peterson steps in and says, "Listen, life is suffering," you opened with that, you know, very heartfelt uh, story of someone who felt himself saved by Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. acknowledging the suffering in the world as he himself is struggling to not commit suicide, to get himself out of bed in the morning. So obviously a happy, clappy Christianity has no answers for a person like that. And sadly, because of the breakdown of the family, the destruction of the family, the promotion of rampant kinds of sexual immorality, people's lives and relationships are absolutely destroyed. They are suffering, and they want to come to church to understand the meaning of their suffering, what suffering means, how they... How they, how they live through it, uh, what the significance of it is. Does God have anything to say about that? turns out in His Word, He has everything to say about that. So I think that many latch on to thinkers like uh, Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and others who are you know, repeating these same truths, that life is not about just filled with prosperity. This world and each individual is under a curse. We're under the curse and we're heading toward death. That is the result of the fall and sin in the world. We all understand that instinctively. We live through it every single day, that struggle. And so that's part of the popular appeal of people like this is because they're not hearing this in their churches. They're hearing exactly the opposite. They're hearing some pastor who counts himself more of a, a therapist or a motivational speaker or a life coach uh, who's kind of cheering them on without actually dealing with these deeper reality. So I think that's part of the setup for an embraced by many evangelicals. I think the other side of it, though, is that evangelicals for a long time have been taught to be ashamed of the Bible. Um, you heard Ben Shapiro in that soundbite talked about Kant trying to avoid the trap of having to cite the Bible. Ben Shapiro himself, an Orthodox Jew who believes in the authority of the Old Testament scriptures, says that he himself in his public debates and discourses tries very hard not to cite Mm -hmm. the Bible as an authority. That is not what Christ taught. (laughs) Christ had no problem citing the Bible. Paul had no problem citing the Bible. In fact, they encourage that kind of thinking. Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, speaking of a Christian apologetics, They were always to be ready to make a defense to those who ask about the hope that's within us. Before that, he says, set apart, or the word is sanctify, the Lord Jesus Christ in your hearts. That is to say that we are to set him apart as Lord, and we are to then think and speak and argue and reason and defend the faith as Christ would have us do. That means we must cite his authority, cite the authority of his father, cite the authority of the Holy Spirit who authored the Scripture. So I think that many evangelical apologists have taken the same view of Ben Shapiro and other rational Enlightenment philosophical thinkers, and they have tried to appeal to the facts. Just to say that Christianity is consistent with the facts. They trust in the autonomous individual to recognize and kind of interpret rightly the brute facts. They, they try to appeal to logical consistency in the Christian faith. They try to appeal to beneficial consequences of the Christian faith, uh, appeal to the integrity and the virtue that's promoted, uh, you know, even citing sometimes the, the fact that this Christianity has been very meaningful to them, given a personal testimony. Listen, all those things are true. Uh, Christianity is the one and only worldview that does deal honestly with all the facts, is internally logically consistent, it provides beneficial consequences for the good of mankind, and promotes the highest degree of virtue and integrity. It's the only worldview that transforms individuals and making them Christ-like, which puts them on, on a... Not a destructive, but a a productive and fruitful trajectory. But that is not how we make our defense for the Christian faith. We make our defense by answering the fool according to his folly, or answering the fool according to what his folly deserves, lest he be wise in our own eyes. Our apologetic task is to silence the foolishness of the unbeliever. That's how we make our defense. So we have to go... Deeper than just those things that uh, I think many Christian apologists, that's been their apologetic approach, is to stay on that level. Talk about facts and, and consistency, Studies. And benefits and virtues and things like that. But they need to go deeper. They need to go down to the level of metaphysics and epistemology and ethics and start to demonstrate the irrationality of every non-Christian worldview. And mm. they need to use scripture to do that. We hope you gained from this short take of the Christian Worldview radio program. To hear the full program and further connect with this ministry, visit thechristianworldview.org. I'm David Wheaton.